Hello and welcome to the November 20th, 2020 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is great to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. I cannot begin to tell you how much I miss saying that. There are no words to even describe. So here we are, guys. We're back in action. We're doing our thing. We're now our second episode into uh, the wonderful year of 2020. Um, my God, what else could go wrong in this particular year? Um, and, and I'll tell you this, I certainly took advantage of, I guess you could call it the situation of a combination of isolation slash freedom, meaning, you know, I wasn't working over the summer, but at the same token, we were all isolated. And because of that, and you don't have a job to go to and really any responsibilities, it's kind of like freedom. So what did Mr. Joe do all this summer? Well, what good, and how many times have we said this before, what good would Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast be if I wasn't honest? And I can leave this out, and there's not a single one of you that would know any difference if I did, but I can't. Because again, what good is this podcast if I if I choose to leave things out and lie by omission because that's really what it comes down to but this summer based on the situation and I guess I could blame it on that in combination with the fact that I am a drug addict or a recovering drug addict um, I drank this summer I, I drank three different times and I know it sounds silly that you could add it up and say, well, this is how many times I drank but you know when you're clean for a long time and you know drinking is not your thing so to speak, when you do it, you remember. And am I embarrassed to say it to my audience? Yeah, of course, because here I am, and I'm constantly instructing those of you that have bipolar disorder, if you want to stay stable, if you want to remain on that right track, if you want to minimize the amounts of ups and downs that you have, well, you got to stay away from drugs and alcohol. It's as simple as that. And I didn't. I didn't. You know, three separate occasions. Now, did I get totally out of my mind no no I'm not capable of doing that anymore but just a few drinks alone you know and, and yeah they were Michelob ultralights I mean I, it's not even real beer if you ask me it was like drinking water did I get drunk no I didn't get drunk but I but I drank I drank and I sat out in the front of my house on a chair like a lounge chair kind of thing like you know like it was a movie like I was just chilling out Drinking a 40 in front of the house, but, you know, Michelob Ultralight. So uh, you want to call it a slip-up? You want to call it, um, you know, learning experience? I don't know what you want to call it, but I'll tell you this, that regardless of the fact whether I was plastered or not, that means nothing, because let me tell you something. The day after, in terms of each and every time I had a drink, oh, my God, the depression, the overwhelming amount of depression that would set in and whether it was a combination of just feeling guilty or the simple fact that my chemicals were just so screwed up that, you know, depression came on 
very easily and very quickly. And, you know, you talk about the brain chemicals, and I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it now, odds are I probably won't remember exactly what I was thinking about because I don't remember anything, um, as you know. <laughs> but I, I think about the brain, and I know we have all of these podcasts and these talks and these therapeutic-like conversations about up and down and mad and ha sad and happy and, you know, tired, all these emotions. But I have never really sat back and thought about the overall chemistry of the brain and what might happen, happen to the brain when you go up and down, in and out of all of these episodes, so to speak. And I guess I'll call it a brain shift. And it's actually really frightening. Really, really, really frightening. You know, I talk about the depression. Now, we, we know, we understand that that set in because of the drinking. But why? Why do we become animals? And I'm not saying that in a good sense. We become animalistic maniacs. And it doesn't matter how many times you promise yourself. Doesn't matter. Next time, this person starts with me or this happens, I'm not going to yell. I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to be, you know, be logical and reasonable. And it doesn't matter how many times you tell yourself that you're not going to yell. If you're in that mode, if you're telling yourself that you're not going to yell, then the odds are that you're right on the brink of yelling. And for those of you who do not have bipolar disorder, who cannot figure out your partner's behavior, believe me when I tell you that this brain shift happens at the drop of a dime, and we have no idea why it happens and what to expect. And you know, I'll give you a perfect example of why I've been you know, trying to study the brain to some degree and understand what chemicals go up and what goes down and, you know, does dopamine play a role? Does serotonin? I mean, think about the paranoia that Mr. Joe has spoken about. Do you guys know that on two different occasions over this summer, my mania was so, at a, I guess you could say, was at a point of irritability and paranoia way past the hypomanic stage. I mean, there was really very little happiness embedded in, you know, in my brain at this particular time. And uh, I don't remember both times that I'm referring to, but one particular time I remember exactly. And they were both, they both revolved around the same exact thing. So I'm, I'm sitting on a chair and I'm watching my wife text away. And again, you know, listen, this technology, these texts, these emails, these, you know, you never know what's going on, but I should know when it comes to my wife, because she is the most, um, you know, faithful, down-to-earth partner that anybody could have. She supports me in every which way imaginable. She's never given me one indication, any time, any place that she had any interest in anybody but me. And let me tell you something. It didn't matter. My brain was watching those little fingers speed away on the little, you know, screen. And I'm saying to myself, who the hell is she talking to? And now, now I'm trying to peek over a little bit. Not necessarily look at the words, but I'm now analyzing the colors of the text messages, the blurbs. And I'm saying to myself, now, take it a step further, like a sicko. Now I'm looking at... Well, what color are the messages on iPhones and Androids? And Because my fear is, 
and this is all happening within literally 10 seconds. My fear is that she's iMessaging with somebody. So if I ever wanted to spy on her and look at the phone bill to see who she was talking to, I'm not going to be able to find that because it's not a text message. It's an iMessage. I mean, guys, I went outside to throw out the garbage that didn't need to be thrown out so that I could peek in through the window and look over her shoulder. I mean, it was just unreal. When I think about myself doing these things, it's just, and, and on top of it all, you know, I'm hyperventilating. I'm, I'm pre-planning my attack. Who do I have to beat up? Who do I have to yell at? Is it the two of them? Is it just one? Is it flirting? Is it fun? Is it sexual? I mean, these are the things that are going on in my brain. Is it her ex-husband, ex-boyfriend? I mean, and this is a person who is completely, utterly faithful. And maybe it's my own self-confidence that just is, is suffering at the moment so drastically based on the fact that I am so irritable and so high up into that manic episode. But let me tell you something. The look is all over your face when you got bipolar disorder or whatever disability, uh, you know, disability or mental illness we're talking about. When you are in that mode, when you are in a rage and the brain has shifted, people know. People know, they see it all over your face. They know, they know when you're mad. And my ex, and my, my, my wife, I'm so used to saying my ex-wife <laughs> that I'm mad at, um, my, my wife knew something was wrong. And rather than like a normal human being, you know, babe, I'm uh, watching your text over there and you, you're really into that. <laughs> I mean, you know, is there somebody you're talking to there? Is there something that, you know, I need to know? Even that is a little intrusive. It, even that seems weird, but... When your wife turns to you and says, well, what's the matter? Who are you talking to? I want to know who that H-E-L-L that is. And, you know, I spelled it out because the real word that I used was not hell. Um, you know, and, and this woman is just looking at me like I'm insane. And guess what? I am. I am. Because I could say without a shadow of a doubt that those feelings, when I am stable, they don't even enter my brain. I don't even think about it. It's actually embarrassing. It's honestly embarrassing. And those of you who have bipolar disorder, who are, you know, experiencing those types of things where you're paranoid and uh, more importantly, you regret your actions afterwards. How many times have we been down that road? And for those of you who love somebody with a mental illness who acts like that, well, guess what? You know, it's, it's, it's our excuse and it's actually a real excuse. The problem is we're not doing anything to help ourselves about it. Um, in most cases anyway. And in the few cases where we are medicated, like Mr. Joe, I mean, man, you screw around with your brain chemicals in the slightest bit. It doesn't have to be the day after, the day of. Who knows when it happens, that brain shift, but I'll tell you, it happens. And it happens regardless of what medication you're on. Um, and it's more susceptible to those of us who are abusing drugs and alcohol. And yes, as far as I'm concerned, that's what I did over the summer. I don't care. One time, three times, when you are a recovering addict, you don't drink and you don't do drugs because it doesn't work. Now, do I feel at 45 years old that I become that type of person? I'm in a place where I will never get addicted again to anything. I do. I actually do. I know that may sound ignorant. But we get to a point in our lives, guys, where we have done so much damage. 
and we've been to so many mental mental institutions and we've been into so many rehabilitation centers and we have damaged so so many relationships over the you know over the course of our destruction that we are just simply aware of the fact that going down this road again has no consequences other than bad consequences nothing good comes out of it and the God's honest truth is when you've abused drugs for uh, you know, an extended period of time and you kind of get past that and you have years and years of cleanliness under your belt, believe me when I tell you, you will have more feelings of sickening feelings, like, oh God, I don't want to feel that way again, rather than having the, oh my God, I can't wait to feel that way again. I can't wait to be up there. I can't wait to be sedated. I can't wait, you know, whatever it may be, your negative experiences as you become more and more clean and have more and more days and months and years under your belt, you start to think about the bad parts of the addiction, which helps you remain clean, which is why, you know, I had a drink one day and I wasn't up shaking the next day looking for another one. Because I have, to some degree, I guess, control. Or it's just the ignorance of somebody who has bipolar disorder, who was once an addict and no longer thinks he is, is just making a statement that means no sen- makes no sense at all. I mean, really, honestly. Do I think that I can control it? I, I do. But I guess why? I guess, you know, that's usually the first sign of somebody who's headed down the wrong path. So I guess the best thing that I could do is just not drink. That's it. Simple as that. Keep taking my meds. And, you know, but speaking of meds, I'm still on the same stuff, guys, still on the same stuff. And I got to tell you, there was a couple of times throughout the course of this year where I really thought that I had to make a change. Um, I did start taking another medication that we spoke about before. And I got to tell you, I don't even remember the name of it. It's an antidepressant and they, uh, it was in conjunction with the Wellbutrin and it just did not did not work for me. It's one of those new medications. And I know I told you guys about it, and I cannot remember it right now for, for the life of me. Uh, but, I, but I'll, you know, go back a few episodes, and I'm sure I talked about it. But my God, it made me feel like a, like a maniac, really. And if you are a maniac already, and you're now feeling like one, then that's not a good sign. <laughs> so uh, I'm still on the same meds. I'm still the same old Mr. Joe. The only difference now is I choose this. What does that mean, I choose this? I choose this podcast. Because guess what, guys? It doesn't matter where I go, where I work, who I'm with. Whoever these mean people or person is, they're going to find me. They're going to try and make my life a living hell. I don't know why. I just want to help. That's all I care about. Yes, we've all made mistakes. And my good God, maybe my mistakes are online for everybody to hear. But guess what? I bet you there's a lot of people out there who have a hell of a lot worse things to report than me. The thing is, they just don't have a podcast. So I seem a little bit more um, you know, guilty of, of the addictions and the mental illnesses and the behavior that I embark in. So, you know, that's to go without saying. But man, I don't care what I do for a living going forward. Nobody's going to know about it. Which is why I want my audience to know this is what I'm doing. And this is what I want to do. 
guys, I am not an advertiser. I'm not a salesman. I've never been good at it. This is me in a desperate attempt to help myself, help everybody out there, and protect my family, really. And, and you know, take this journey and turn it into a lifelong event where I am podcasting until the day that I die. And I hope that I'm helping those of you with an addiction or with a mental illness. And that, that's my goal. So Mr. Joe will be free for a while. Um, I don't know how to advertise. I made a Facebook. Now, I am so used to listening to podcasts where people say rate and review and this and that. I don't think I've ever asked for a review a day in my life. As a matter of fact, i got a brand new Facebook. It's got me on there, Mr. Bipolar Joe, and it's got my page, Mr. Bipolar, uh, Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's created. It's made. I'm running an ad. I don't even know where to tell you to find it, <laughs> to, tell you, to tell you the honest truth. I don't have links. I don't read links here. This is the easiest way to go about it. Go on Facebook. Go in the search menu and type in Mr. Joe. How's that? And it was just brought to my attention, too, by some people that were uh, looking for the podcast on Podbean, that if you don't put in the apostrophe on Mr. Joe's, it doesn't come up. And that, that is kind of annoying, if you ask me, but it is what it is, okay? Um, I wanted to mention something very briefly about a show that I watched. Now, Mr. Joe is a Grey's Anatomy fan, and I think I've exposed that before. What a silly show. I mean, at this point, God, it's like 400 seasons. It it is so far-fetched. It's so ridiculous. But yet, for some reason, I continue to watch it. And I only bring it up because the last episode, and I'm not asking you to go catch up from season one and watch all the way through. I'm not even asking you to go watch this episode. But I will tell you this. There is a a couple of scenes in there where uh, one of the actors portrays that of a bipolar person. And I got to tell you, This man is amazing. The way that he acts, you would think that he really does have bipolar disorder. I mean, it was was actually kind of scary. My wife and I were watching it, and she fell asleep during that part. And I cried like a baby throughout it, watching him with his temper and banging the wall and the words that he said. It gave me the chills. I mean, it ran through my entire body and brain and was like, oh my God, that's you. That is you, how you act to it. There was not one thing that this man did in this episode that didn't remind me of me. It's really, really scary, man. Really scary to to see that. So... If you have a chance, this Thursday's past episode, I mean, for those of you who are not Grey's Anatomy fans, I don't expect you to go back. Oh, I'm sorry. It was not yesterday. It was actually the 12th, I believe. I'm looking at my little calendar right now, if you hear me clicking around. Um, This is my attempt to be a bipolar podcast radio host, so to speak, as I sit at my computer. I think that's what people do, um, rather than (laughs) sitting in my car. Um, So that's where I'm at. I wanted to give you a quick dad story, too. I am not the most religious person. I will say this, that I lost faith a very long time ago, then regained it, and I do feel like regaining that faith allowed me to recover, especially when I was coming off of Cymbalta. Uh, But I lost faith again, and I don't know how you even want to classify it. You know, Do I believe in God? Do I not believe in God? Do I believe in heaven? I mean, I will say this, that over the course of the last couple of months, heaven has been a very big question in my mind. Somebody said to me, I said, man, I go, I wonder what it's like up in heaven. Somebody said to me, well, there is no heaven. They said it's just something to make those of us who lose a loved one feel better. 
<laughs> Guys, get ready for this, okay? I'm driving around yesterday, and I am lost. Now, not lost, like, navigationally, just lost in my brain. And I have been asking my dad for a sign for a while, because my sister keeps telling me she's getting them. And I pulled over on a side street, and I, and I just put my head down, and I'm talking to my father, and I'm saying, Dad, what am I doing? I mean, is, is this podcast like, gonna work, what's gonna happen here, give me a sign, man, if I see you, if I hear you, if anything that will let me know that this is gonna work, that will give me the confidence to move forward with this, well, I went to go start my car and pull away from where I was, and I look up, and what's in front of me, <laughs> a street sign with my dad's first name on it, I say, okay, that's fine, now, no, nobody's going to believe me with this, okay? So, And I expect nobody to believe me. Um, I was working with an application at the time also on my phone that called for an appointment of some sort. Let's leave it that way because I can't get into this with the work and the employment and how little bit, you know, some of the little things that I'm doing just try to make a little extra money. But I had to see somebody for an appointment. And it lets you know the person's name and all that stuff. So now I see my dad's name on the street sign. I'm like, wow, dad. I'm like, man, if this is you, that is so cool. My phone goes off and it shows me the next appointment where I have to go to. And it flashes the name of the person. And the name of the person is Heaven. Heaven. The last name was L. Heaven L. Could you imagine... This all took place within 20 seconds. I mean, guys, it's, I'm, 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 I'm getting the ch And listen, I am skeptical about this stuff. I don't know what to believe. I don't want anybody to turn me off right now because they're like, you know, turn this podcast off. This guy's a maniac. I don't believe in what he believes. I don't know what I believe. What I know is what happened yesterday, and it was probably the freakiest thing that ever took place because here I am talking to him, begging him for a sign, and then, you know, you would think when I pulled over I would have noticed the street sign, but I didn't. And then for within 20 seconds for me to get out of my car, I was walking over to um, a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant next, next to where I was parked, actually, just to check something out um, in the window. And I look down, and there's my appointment for the next person that I have to see, and it's heaven. So pretty wild, guys, okay? Pretty, pretty wild. I mean, for those of you who believe in that stuff, um, you know, pretty cool, right? I mean, I, again, nothing like that has ever happened to me. And my sister continuously tells me that she is, uh, she gets those signs from my dad. Speaking of my family, um, you know, I got my mom and I know I mentioned this last time. It's been months and months and months. I can't call her guys. I can't call her. And I know I discussed in the last episode about narcissism. We got to go over that. We have to. I'm going to repeat myself again from the last episode, but Mr. Joe was a narcissist. I mean, everything about me. I got to tell you guys, and imagine feeling like this. There is not one thing in my past from the age of, let's say, 18 on that I am proud of. How sad is that? It's really sad. It really is. If you really 
step back and think about it. Not a single thing. And any time that I thought I was proud, it was embedded into me intentionally by my mother because for some reason, whatever was embedded in me was supposed to have uh, a trickle-down effect to make her feel better or look good in some way, shape, or form. But there's not, there's really nothing that I could say about my, yeah, did I have fun? Did I party? Did I go to college? Yeah, I did all those things. But when I think about them, like, I don't really miss them anymore as I used to and say, oh, life is so hard now. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be back when you were in high school? We get that. I know that. We understand that. But what about those who don't want to go back because they don't want to relive the horrible things that they did to people and said to people, no wonder why I lost my friends. I lost every single friend I had in ninth grade. Every I, And I know, I know I've repeated this, but there are some of you who are just starting now from this episode or the last episode and haven't had a chance to go all the way back. But I was the guy in the back of the bus, oh, the front of the bus, that was getting spitballs thrown at him. I was the guy who was sitting at a lunch table by myself. Um, and, you know, I was the guy who was told that I was the most conceited person on the face of this earth. And you know, you want to know something? There are times where I'll listen back to my podcast and I will say, I, I sounded like a real jerk there. And I don't know if I'm looking too much into it, if I've given myself too high of a compliment for some reason, but anytime I speak about myself and I hear myself <laughs> on the other end doing it, it really, like... Sometimes I'm like, well, I don't like the way I sound because I don't know how I'm coming off. Here's how I mean to come off. I believe that I am one of the, the most caring, kind, and again, this must sound conceited, but this is what I am. I'm caring. I'm kind. I mean, I, I think about all of you out there without a face, if that makes any sense. So... The emails that come through, you know, it's very hard to read something or speak to somebody a lot of times when you don't have a face to match it up with. But yet somehow, some way, I got all your faces. I don't know how, but I just got them all. And there's not one that I dislike. There's nothing but love. There's nothing but support. There's nothing but compassion. That's what we need together. Those of us with mental health issues, we need to come together because nobody cares. Nobody cares about us. And, and even those who we think do care, well, guess what? They get tired of it. They get tired of this disgusting behavior that we engage in. It's not normal. It's not normal at all. No, I've been a little bit all over the place. I, I think I brought up my mom. That's how this all started. Um, but she is not allowed in my life or my children's life. And you know, I have a few friends that will still text me and say, go talk to her. And for those friends who do, please mind your own business. Okay, I love you, but mind your own business. You don't get it. And from somebody with a mental illness who was constantly seeking support, in myself being my, you know, I, I should be the first one to say, well, you don't leave somebody with a mental illness, but guess what? People left me. People left me because I didn't want to put the work in myself. And I don't blame them, blame them. And I don't blame myself for not wanting to deal with my mother because 
any time, and you all know this, that those of you who have listened to me before, any time that I deal with that woman, every aspect of my life changes and suffers. From my own mental health, to the health of my children, um, to, the, to, to my employment. I mean, for all I know, that sick woman may be the one that's trying to get me in trouble. You know, with my employers. And again, guys, this is not... I could see if I was a criminal... You know, or, or, or you know, something like that. So, you know, some some sicko where you know, oh, you have this man working for you. Get rid of him. He did A, B, C, and D. No, that's not what's said. When people write to my employers or this person, none of that's said. None of it even makes sense. They they call me a racist, a feminist. Um. You know, which really confuses me because even if somebody hates me so much and maybe I bullied them and back in the, I don't know, but those are things that I never was, ever. Never, ever was. I know I spend a little bit too much time on this. I, I feel like for some reason I have to defend myself in this situation in terms of somebody trying to get me in quote unquote trouble. I mean, who does that? Who does that? Who who goes around and reports to people that, you know, oh, he's got a podcast and he's got this. Uh, that's why, guys, I'm done. I'm done. I need I need to be here for myself. And I hope you understand that. I need to be there, here for my family. And just as importantly, I need to be here for everybody out there. I, I do. Because nobody's doing a thing for us. I mean, I, I go through Twitter and I'm reading all these tweets about mental health and the government. And, uh, you know, oh, everybody's suffering. Okay. we We know that. So what the hell is being done for us? What extra support are we getting as those of us who suffer from a mental illness? What extra support are those people getting that do not have an, a mental illness but need to live with somebody who does? What, what kind of support are they getting? None. They're just getting beaten up every day and abused by us, by me. So, man, we got to come together. Something's got to be done here, guys, because the, the state of this world, it's not good. I think you know that. Um, I mean, what, what more could we say? Um, there's quite a few schools that closed down around my area uh, just just recently, as of yesterday, a couple more today. I mean, it's, just, it's bad, guys, and I don't have an opinion right now. Do I want to wear a mask? No. Do we have to wear a mask? Yes. Do we have to be, a, be safe? Yes. And I say I don't want to wear a mask for reasons other than the scientific facts. I don't want to wear a mask because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to wear a mask because I break out underneath it. I don't want to wear a mask because even if you can breathe, I feel like I can't breathe. I don't want to wear a mask because I don't like working out with it, but I choose to do so because I want to follow the rules. And I don't want to Wear a mask because I don't want to see our children wearing masks because it breaks my heart. But guess what? As somebody who is very involved in the educational system, I want you all to know, those of you who are parents of children that go to school, preschool, middle school, the little ones, you know, the bigger ones, like my older ones, my, my older, my 15 and my 17-year-old, like they, they, they can handle this on their own. It still hurts me, but they can handle it. But the little ones, the ones that you guys have, you know, little ones up in the preschools and the middle school ages or elementary, take it from Mr. Joe, and I promise you this. I hope this uh, leaves you with a good, lasting and, um, vision of what your children may or may not be going through. Your children are absolutely 100% fine. Our children are so resilient, I cannot even begin to tell you. 
please believe me when they are running around in school and wearing their masks and there are shields at their desk and, you know, if it breaks your heart like it breaks mine, don't allow it to because they are fine. Our children, I have not seen, I cannot give you one example of a child that is in school right now from the age of preschool all the way up to middle school that is not fine. They are so resilient. The ma- They don't care. They don't care. The masks are bothering us adults more than it's bothering our children. That's who it bothers. Now, we understand that this is the science and this is what we have to do for now. That's it. Uh, it's as simple as that. I got nothing else to say. I really don't. I mean, this is what we got to do. And we just got to, we got to get through this. But the man, this is going to be a year to remember. God, I mean, I'm so glad I came back in 2020, really. I mean, you know, because the things that have gone on between the hurricanes and listen, I don't need to say anymore. You guys are living it along with me. Um, but somehow, guys, somehow, somehow we're, we're hanging on. We may be hanging on by a thread, but somehow we are all hanging on. And as long as we remain together and stay a tight-knit, close family, I think that there is nothing that we can't get through as a family. There's no doubt about that. So uh, I just want to say one more thing about this, this uh, podcast return. I cannot even begin to explain how exciting this is for me. Um, I, I think there's a Facebook ad that's going around right now. I think I mentioned that in the beginning. Look me up on Facebook, guys. Do it, please. Because, man, I am, this is, this is the real deal. I am so excited to make this my life, really. I mean, this is what I want to do. This is what I've always, just so everybody wants to, just so everybody understands, Mr. Joe actually started his so-called college career in the field of, um, you know, mass media. I did it all, man. I wanted to be a weatherman. That didn't work out too well. I mean, I don't know. I can't even tell where states are. You know, like I'm geographically illiterate. So, but that didn't work too well. Um, you know, I was, I hosted a little radio show in one of my classes. That went over okay. Um, you know, I liked mixing the songs and all that stuff. I was a DJ for a long time. I mean, these are little little minor factors that. Um, shed some light on what I wanted to do with my life. And I had opportunities, believe me when I tell you. And unfortunately, some of those opportunities, um, they actually ruined me, too, in many, many ways. In addition to this podcast, I mean, you know, there are things that I've done in the past that I'm just not proud of. Not at all. And I know it's very vague and hard to understand. Um, But what it comes down to is I'm just so excited to be back. I am so excited to get the emails flowing again. I'm so excited to come up with new topics every day. I can't wait to do my next Mr. Joe's Q&A. I mean, we got the remainder of our lives together, and I am so grateful for it. And I'm grateful to those of you who have waited this long and who have now come back to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. For those of you who are new listeners, I encourage you to go back to episode one. I mean, you might want to leave out the autism one, and you'll see there are some specifications about that one. I actually was high when I recorded that, and 
Um, it was the only time that I was, and I was mortified and embarrassed, and it's actually one of the most embarrassing podcasts anybody could ever do. But if you listen to the other ones first and you see how we started when you go back to the first one, I don't know if you guys are hearing that, but I'm getting all kinds of notifications. I apologize. Um, I lost my train of thought, of course. But nevertheless, those of you who are new to the podcast, uh, you will take quite the journey with Mr. Joe if you go back and listen to some of these episodes. I mean, we've got a lot going on with Mr. Joe's family. And um, you know, just so everybody is aware, anytime you see anything, 101, you know, uh, marijuana 101, uh, you know, anything 101 in, in the name of the podcast yeah, I'll, I'll do my best to educate you, but I will educate you through my own personal experiences. That's what Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast is all about. It is finally a real mental health podcast, a real addiction podcast, a real podcast by a real person with real problems. I guess that's the only way to be in order to produce a podcast like this. Listen, if you're doing well, with a mental illness, I ask you to please continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or drug addiction, continue to support that person the very best way you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or addiction, I ask you to continue to fight, keep battling, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for believing in Mr. Joe and coming back to me. I'll see you guys again real soon.